0: So we're going to look at this life in Jesus, that it's our inadequacy that creates our capacity. Look at this verse 30, and I'm pulling out of context, but it's about this whole idea what the Christian life is. But by his doing, you are where? See it there? By his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He's what you need. It's not not another experience. It's by His doing. Now, now let me let me try to try to work on this, if you will, because I think we got to remember we died with Jesus. That's on your hand out there. We died with Him by His doing. We're in Christ Jesus, and we were raised with Jesus. We were raised with Him, and uh, there are verses on your hand out there that uh, should be. Should be I, I want to remind you, though, of this idea of being raised. We talked about this last week. That this whole thing revolves around this notion that faith is not just believing in some ideas or concepts. But faith is a new self-understanding. Faith really is a new self-understanding. I understand myself differently now by faith. I understand my life. That my life, I am not capable or ca- capable of pulling this thing off. That's my new self-understanding. That in, instead of living in Adam power or my own ability, now I understand, if you will, a new understanding. That, that, that it's by his doing that I'm in Christ Jesus. Doesn't mean I don't exercise faith and trust, but it's his work and his doing. So we've looked at that. We, we died with Christ. If you want to listen, we've got some recordings uh, up every week. If you want to listen to that again with the verses like that. Then today we're going to deal with this. We're seated with Jesus. We're seated with Jesus. Uh, go into your table of contents, find the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at that. We're going to spend some time there working through that one. My Bible is 1114. Ephesians chapter 2. Some very uh, familiar passages you've probably read before, uh, but we're going to just uh, uh, kind of take a look here. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse, I'm going to start at verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Jesus. There it is again. We were dead in our trouble. We're separated from God. And he raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to talk about this idea of seated here uh, just for a minute. Um, where are we seated? What does it say we're seated? Where? In heavenly places. places. Uh, I just I want to give you some context here. Um, uh, Ephesians uh, has a spatial dimension. Now, Doug thinks because I'm from East Texas that means it's unusual. <laughs> it's spatial. Because <laughs> Doug was always told, Doug, you're spatial. <laughs> Which is true on two accounts here. <laughs> Spatial here is location. S-P-A-T-I-A-L. Sp- location. In the book of Ephesians, there is this recurring interest, concern, about the heavens. We're seated in heavenly places. In chapter 4, he ascended into heaven after taking captivity. Took Gave gifts to man. In chapter 6, it's The idea that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principality and power, we're in heavenly. This is unusual for this book. So it has this spatial dimension. Why is that? I mean, when you see stuff like that, you might want to answer yourself, why? That's East Texas. Why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Ephesus is the location for the Greek, and then Romans picked it up too, worship of Diana, or Aphrodite. And she is known as the goddess of the earth. In fact, they built a temple because she's supposed to have fallen out of heaven somewhere and landed on her head, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but she landed, and she's considered the goddess of love, Or, but it's the goddess of the earth. It's fascinating to me that in this letter to the Ephesians, that because of this great emphasis upon Diana being able to be the ruler of the world or the earth, Paul says, let's get this straight. You're not of the world. You're in heavenly places. It's fascinating because no other book really gets at this idea like Ephesians does. Again, when you see something like that. So, so <clears throat> Diana, the goddess of the earth, Jesus is seated in heaven above everything else and all else. And that's where we are with him. Above, if you will, just the powers of the earth. The powers that be. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. It's just interesting. So, so this idea here. Now notice it says here in chapter, six, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 6. He raised us up with him, seated us with him. But it says here, he, he made us alive together with him, verse 5. Then he raised us up with him. Now, this is, these are interesting terms here. Raised us up with him, made us alive with him. I said this before, but let me be more specific. Uh, these are brand new words in Greek. Raised up with. Seated with. They do not exist in Greek. You can't find them anywhere else in the Greek, in the Greek language, in Greek literature, in Greek culture. These are words that Paul made up. And they meant, really mean to be with, to make alive, he made. Here's what it says. What it says here, verse, uh, verse five even we're red, dead, we were dead, made us alive together. It's with, to make us, or, or he, he made alive with. He made. Then he raised us up with him, seated us with him. It's the same idea. It's him doing the work with us. So, what does this mean, Cliff? I'm glad you asked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that this idea if you will, of now we've been, we've died with Christ, we've been raised with Christ, we're seated. Let's let me suggest just a couple things here. Number one, authority. What does it mean to be seated with Jesus? You may know this in the ancient world. uh, Nobody, Nobody sat down in several places. One place uh, you never sat down in front of a king or an emperor. They sat down, you stood. You've all seen the movie The Ten Commandments, you know yeah. this, yeah. <clears throat> right? <clears throat> when your comes or, or no, Yul Brynner, when Charlton Heston comes to your Brynner, your Brinner sitting down, they're all standing up, right? The idea of sitting in the Bible is authority. It always suggests authority. When you read throughout the Bible in Isaiah 6, 1, when it says, I saw the Lord and he was what? Seated on a throne. So the idea of being seated always has the notion of authority. Now, I think Paul's getting at this from the standpoint that they're living in a world that is scared to death, if you will, of the gods of the world, of the, of the, of the, of the seasons and all those kind of things. He's saying you're seated at a place of authority with Jesus. You don't have to worry about this. You, you don't have to be concerned. Now they're seated in this position, authority. It's interesting. That's a different word than power, right? Power. Dun, dunamis is the, is the, is the Greek word for power and exousia is the Greek word for authority. Now think about this. This is authority because sometimes we get it confused and you know, we may get afraid or we may be in a situation and we think, well, I don't have any power, but do you have authority? I was driving down the road one day, and uh, I don't think it was me, but a police officer stood out in the road, did this. You know what I did? Right. Why? Because he had the power. He didn't have the power. I had a car with an engine in it. <laughs> I had the power. Right? I had a car with an engine that weighed about 2,000 pounds. It'll go from zero to 60 in about a week and a half. (laughs) It's a junky car. It's the one Becky drives to work now. (laughs) You see, he didn't have power. He had authority. See, we get these confused. We think if we don't feel power, or we don't feel strong, or we don't feel great, that we, "Ah, well, you know. No, 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 no. You may not feel you have any power. You may not feel like you have any strength. You may not feel, big deal. You have authority. <laughs> you have authority that's been vested in us because we're seated with Him. It's not our power, it's not our authority, it's His. So we're seated there with authority, making decisions or, if you will, being involved in a life that says that. I remember when when I was uh, working in the inner city and in bus ministry years ago, a long time ago. I remember, I told you about bus, we used to go get kids and we always would say she's going to kill me for this but we were always in awe of Linda Bollenbacher because she went into the inner city by herself and worked and I'm going to get killed over this but it's okay <laughs> uh, but we we were in awe of her uh, so we were all doing this conversation. Kind of I remember one day I had this family on this uh, stop that lived I mean it was, this was pretty they lived in a school bus you know and tried to make the best they could and and I remember talking to this guy, and I thought he was a little weird and strange. Uh, but, you know, I was trying to minister to the family, bring the kids to Sunday school. I had, in that particular area, I had a motorcycle gang called the Dead Men. Huh? And they were, they earned that name. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember witnessing to those guys and talking to them, Cato and Dirty Dan and Gypsy. And Dan said to me one time, hey, Kato likes to cut people. I went, nope to self. <laughs> <laughs> So this guy was there and got to know him a little bit. And he was really uh, hostile toward Jesus and, uh, you know, said I was a fool. And I, I said, okay, get in line. Um, but he said to me one day, he said, I played pool with my dad last night. I said, really? Wow. <laughs> He said, yeah, and he's been dead for 10 years. Oh. I said, really? Who won? No. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't say that. I thought that, but I didn't say that. He's been dead for 10 years. And you're a fool. You're a fool to follow Jesus. And I remember I was afraid you know, a little bit. Didn't know what was going to happen here in a minute. But I remember saying to this guy, in the name of Jesus, I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ is still Lord and King of the universe, and he is my Savior and Lord. He kind of calmed down, backed off. I went back to the office because I was a bit shaken by that, but I thought, I experienced the authority of the Lord right then, not the power. I was still afraid and nervous and uptight. I I didn't experience power. I experienced authority. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was going to exercise authority right there in the name of Jesus and say, you do whatever you want to with me. You can say anything. You can do anything. We're in a tough part of town. I don't know. They might not find me for a month, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the King of the universe. And you will know that someday authority is not power. It's not just, I can get everything done. I want in fact, I want to I suggest to you that the Bible teaches this in a couple of areas. Number one, what's our authority? See, I want to be careful here because I, I, I'll just tell you this. I, I wrote in my notes that in America, it seems like in evangelicalism in the church, that authority is for us to get what we want. It's almost, it's almost like who cares about the kingdom? Is the, the authority I have is that I can get what I want. No, the authority in the Bible is pretty focused. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, all authority has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples. We have authority to do that. When I'm working with people, when you're working with people, I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly place. I have the authority of Jesus to do this. It doesn't mean everybody I work with is going to become a disciple, but I have the privilege and the opportunity to work with people and to bring about this transformation. I don't do that in my own authority. I don't think, oh, Cliff is so smart, he knows what to do here. I'm suggesting that when I do this, that I live it with, or I do it and I experience it because I know Jesus has the authority that he's vested in me. It's not the authority just to get done what I want done. You know, I, I, I've, I've thought about, you know, I, when you can hear on, on religious television at times all kinds of things, but it's kind of the authority I get to do and call into being what I want. No. This is life in Jesus. This is getting done what he wants. This is having his authority seated with him in order to bring that about. Doesn't mean it's automatic. Doesn't mean that every person I work with, they're going to get discipled. But I come to people and I talk to them and say, I come in the authority of Jesus. If you want to be a disciple, let's go. Let's work at this. Grow at it. Understand it. So to me, when I approach my daily living, I don't think my authority is just for me to make my life better. Anybody with that? You know, sometimes we think, you know, well, if you just follow Jesus and you're seated in heavenly places, you just get to make your life go better. It doesn't work. I've told people before, when you become a follower of Jesus or disciple, life may get worse. It can. But we have the authority. So Jesus go, by the way, you know this probably, but the verb there, you don't have to go to make disciples, right? Anybody not going anywhere today? <laughs> We're always going, right? The verb there really is this. As you are going, make disciples. You, you don't have to plan this in terms of we got to have a meeting. we, we got to have a time. You, you can just say, as I'm going through life, as I'm going. That's the force of the verb. The, the imperative here is not go. The imperative is make disciples. That's the verb. The the verb is not go. You don't have to go. You're already going. You're going to the you know you're going to the mall. I, that's where I do most of my disciples. <laughs> I really have. I really have talked to guys and people about Jesus and tried to be an influence to them over the years. But 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 this idea of you have authority today. Are you living with that idea? Most Christians at some point have got to get to the point of saying, I've got to invest my life, the authority of being seated with Jesus to disciple someone. What does that mean? Tell them what you know. <laughs> Tell them what you know. You probably know more than they do. You know, I mean, I, there are people around here in this church that are, in they've forgotten more than I know. <laughs> we could find them. Th- th- this idea of, just sharing with people. It's not a program, it's not a plan, it's not a position. Oh, these are all P's now. Program, yeah. plan. I'm going now. I have a poem here in a second. It's not a program. No. It's not a program, a plan, or a place. There you go. Oh, this is really good. It's a person. There you go. How about that, Gary? <laughs> no, no, stop that. Yeah, come on. No, don't do that. Stop that. Stop that. Stop that. Stop that. Come on, stop that. Uh, Do you live, do I live with the awareness that I have the authority to share my life with other people? Might be sharing a verse. Might be sharing a a victory God brought you through or a problem you got through. Don't get all hung up. It's a program or a place or a plan. It's sharing your life with your kids. Why don't you start there? Are your grandkids, or telling others what Jesus has done for you. We, we've made this almost for the professionals, you know, just preachers and missionaries and like that. You know what I found out when I worked at United Parcel Service, besides some stuff I don't want to tell you? No. <laughs> I really found this out, that the most effective people for sharing Jesus with others are amateurs, not professionals. When people find out I've been a preacher, like the oh well, excuse me, I'm a pastor. Hey, stop that! When I was working, throwing freight, loading packages, I had all kinds of opportunities to talk to guys. I helped lead my supervisor to Jesus. But but it's this is the authority we have, not just to make our life easier. That's one. Here's another one. I think <clears throat> maybe you'll hear is to declare God's word in Titus two fifteen scripture there. Now you say, well, that's just, no, it's not. We're, we're all, you know, here, here's the idea. We are all, we all have a life of ministry. Some people have the work of ministry. You say that again. We all have a life of ministry, wherever we are, whatever we're doing to share God's word. But some, some of us, I, I guess I'm one of those at at Christian university or sorry, have the work of ministry. That's their career or their vocation. But we all have the life of ministry. This isn't just suddenly now only preachers can talk about the Bible. So, so, so here it says with this to declare God's word. Don't, he said, don't be afraid. Don't, don't let people put you down. But declare God's word. Share it with people. It's part of that discipling. Part of that, part of that understanding. And so we have authority to do that. You know what? I, long, long time ago, I tell, tell my students this. I live with two prayers every morning. Before I teach here or other places, you know, help me not say something stupid <laughs> that Becky will <laughs> I really do this. I say, Lord, help me to be faithful to communicate your word and be as creative as I can be. I'm not a very creative person, but be as creative as I can, because I believe that if I'll share the word of God with people, whether you're a pastor, preacher, That's what has the authority in people's lives. That's what can change them. So so I committed this, this quote to memory years ago from a guy named Haddon Robinson who just died. He said this, accuracy, not to speak of integrity, demands that we develop every possible skill in our study so that we do not declare in the name of God what the Holy Spirit never meant to say. That's pretty strong. Yeah. Accuracy, not to speak of integrity demands, we have developed every possible skill in our study so we don't declare in the name of God what the Holy Spirit never meant to say. You know what? I live <clears throat> with the confidence that if I can accurately, carefully, truthfully share God's Word, it has authority. I may not see it. <clears throat> I, may not, I may not be able to figure it all out. But it has the authority of God. I'm seated with Jesus. I've got His Word. I have the uh, the authority that comes from Him and His Word. I've seen this. I, I told Marty years and years ago. You know, <clears throat> Marty and I knew each other before I came to, to, to church here. <clears throat> and we we and, you know we, we were talking. I said Marty, you you know what it is about your preaching. Uh, you're goofy, no? <clears throat> I said, you know what it is about your preaching, don't you? You know, Marty. Marty is, you know, he he's sometimes puts himself down. You know, he's not this, he has not got that theological education. Here's the thing about Marty. Marty has absolute confidence in God's word. And he just preaches it. That's so what it says. You know, I love it when he says, you know, when this word here, when he says no, you know, in Hebrew this means no. <laughs> you know, I mean some of that, some of that gets a little. Pretentious, doesn't it? Well, you know, in the Greek, you know, that's okay. If if it's important, if it's necessary. But I said that years ago, I said, Marty, the strength and power of your ministry is you don't have much confidence in yourself. You have confidence in God's word. And I've watched that over the years as a Bible professor. You know, I've had people say to me, you know, occasionally, go, how did you get anything out of church? You know, because you're the most educated there. How, how do you go to church? And I say, Well, I get in my car and I back out of my and we go left that way. I'm thinking, you don't want me to say to you what I'm thinking Okay? It's God's word that's the authority, not some knucklehead. So did declared God. Now, here's how I gotta hurry. You've heard me say that right before? There's no there's no there's no uh Uh, uh, clock. I can't even say the word. There's no clock back there. Wayne keeps doing this, though. Wayne, (laughs) you know, I got to say, I got to say, I know how terrible everything on the the Gulf Coast, but when Wayne and I were the pastor in Houston years ago, we had a hurricane hit, knocked all the power out, and we had our entire service in the huge vestibule. Remember that? Remember that, Wayne? Hot, you know, but we had to get an offering. So <laughs> I asked Wayne. I said, "Can we cancel?" No, we cannot cancel church. We have to have an offering this week. <laughs> so I, I know some of what those people are feeling—not not as bad as they are, but but uh, but to, min- to to minister to minister in Jesus. I, I love this passage here: the authority to minister in Jesus. These are all discipling, share God's word. But go to Luke there, if you will. <clears throat> Go back left. You're in Ephesians somewhere. Go back to Luke. I love I love this passage where Jesus uh, gives his disciples authority. He talks about that. verse, uh, Chapter 10, verse 1, he said, Now after these things, he appointed 70 others and sent them out in pairs ahead of him to every city place he's gone. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. So they go out. This may be more for me than you, but... This, this passage has always been so formative for me about this authority thing. You know, if we, have, if we start thinking, oh, yeah, I've got authority to preach the word and I've got authority to disciple sometimes we might get a little self-centered here. Sometimes we might think we're a little this and that. Notice what happens on verse 17. Then the disciples, ret- 70, return with joy. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. See, this is, this is authority. They're subject to us. And he said, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, look at this powerful verse. Verse 20. Do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Don't get tied up in the supernatural. Don't get wound up into what you can do. What did he say? Rejoice in? says it right there in 20. What? Your name's in that your name is written in heaven. Jesus says, Hold now, boys. Back off here just a little bit. Okay, it's a great thing that you have authority in ministry. And I've experienced that. And some of you have experienced that authority. That thing sometimes can get people just a little out of whack. That all of a sudden now, they're God's representative in every little situation. And they start, I, I, I ran around with guys like that. There was a devil in every doorknob. They did call things out. They rebuked people. I, I've, you've seen that, haven't you? And it, listen, there's a place for power ministries. I believe that. I've been experienced in those. I mean, I, I've experienced those. But Jesus says, you better be careful here, guys, in this authority thing. That you don't get so wound up with it that you think you're all that in a bag of chips but that your name is written out. I'll just tell you, I, 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 um, years ago, we had a friend in Houston named Jack. And uh, after I left and Wayne left, he left. <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, just some things happened. I want to be careful here because um, he went to Lakewood Church in Houston where John Olsteen was the pastor. Now, I went to Lakewood when John was there. Boy, it's nothing like it is now. John was a stem-winding preacher. I mean, he would just haul off and preach, and they had an incredible ministry. Uh, it was a church you couldn't get to. It was in a neighborhood. It would be like putting a, four, a three or four thousand-member church in Quail Creek. Oh. I mean, turn left, go right, stop at the stop sign, go left over here, slow down. It, it, it's impossible. I don't know how you could build a church there. I just I don't know. I don't know how. Except, there was lots of ministry that was happening to people. I remember, I remember walking in, and uh, one time, and uh, you know, there was a guy in a suit and looking sharp, you know, like that, and another guy in just a got off his Harley and bike leathers, tat- tattooed up and down his arm, you know, you know, I mean, I mean, all kinds of people, red and yellow, black and white. I mean, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful church. But Jack told me. Uh, after a while, he left, and I said, Jack, why Why did you leave? And he said, Well, you know, he said, Cliff, I love the people and I love the church, but he said, uh, I got tired, and I'm, and I, I'm not trying to be unkind, unco- I'm just saying what he told me. And I understand this to some extent. He said, I got tired of talking to the devil all the time. He said, They'd, they'd start services. Now, devil, we're telling you to get it, you know, get out of here and. It got so far on this power side that every service seemed to be rebuking the devil and constantly telling him to leave and taking authority. And I, 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 there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong here. But that can get too far to where we're so concentrated on the problem that we don't talk about this. And Jack just told me, he said, hey, just, it was more than I could take. Didn't mean he's a bad person. Didn't mean the people to stay there are bad people. But Jesus said this: Don't get hung up in this. Don't get hung up. It don't don't start thinking of yourself more highly. Don't don't think that you're, you're you're something about that. But that your name is written in heaven. And so, if you're involved in ministry in the name of Jesus and it doesn't work, what should you remember? My name's written in heaven. If you're involved in the ministry of Jesus and it goes great and people think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, people start bringing people to you. You know? What, what, what do you do? I rejoice that my name is written in heaven. I have a friend that sometimes carries the gift of healing. They don't talk about it. Um, they, don't, they don't discuss it a lot. I told him, I said, I think one of the reasons God never gave it to me, I'd be, I'd be doing tapes and, and pamphlets and, you know, I'd be on television. Because I'm easy to get into that and forget. It's not the ministry that's so productive, although God has given us authority. But it's that your name's written in heaven. That's the authority. Do you know that? Do do you live with that reality? Don't rejoice over the outcome. Listen, because sometimes the outcomes aren't good. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes we do things and everything goes great. Well, oh, isn't that wonderful? God blessed us. Well, you know what? Even though it go bad, God blessed us. Right? Because our names are written in heaven. So, um, what would it be for you this week? Let's see. What if you asked Jesus to open your eyes as to how you might participate in one of these? Is it to make disciples? To declare God's word? or to minister in Jesus' name. What, what, ask, hey, open my eyes, Jesus, this week. See, how am I might participate in one of these areas? Not, not all of them, one of them. Would you ask Jesus this at least twice this week? Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about surrender last week. I asked you to, to I, My whole week was different because of that. So would you be willing to say, Jesus, open my eyes to the authority I have in you, I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm, I'm, I'm there in that heavenly place seated with you to be able to be involved in discipling others, sharing God's word with others, or being involved in ministry that brings people life. That's the first thing. The second is completion or rest. I'm not going to have time to finish this, so we're, we're just going to touch it or who knows. Uh, interesting here. We're seated in heavenly places. Now, uh, seated not only suggests authority, it also suggests completion and rest. In in the ancient world, it was interesting. There was a a clear social order, and any time a person came into the uh, presence of a ruling class or someone else, they were seated. And it meant authority and and rest. Now, it's interesting in Judaism that when, I, when you read this, there's, there's one place that nobody ever sat down. Remember that? The temple. The temple. Nobody ever sat down in the temple. There was no place to sit. Now, I, I'm going to try to unwind it just a little here and we're going to come back to it next week. I think. Who knows what happens this week. This suggests finality. you, you, you can go read this later, but in Hebrews chapter 10, when Jesus had made purification for sins, it says he sat down. Nobody ever did that as a priest. Nobody ever sat down in the temple. Because redemption was never finished. Go read the book of Hebrews where it says year after year, sacrifices made, sacrifices made, sacrifices made, sacrifices made. Sacrifices made. Year after year. The image there is standing, meaning it's not done. It's not. So when Jesus sits down, it's over. It's finished. It's completed. Now I want to I want to I want to dig around in this a bit because the notion of redemption or salvation being completed here means that we're sitting with Him because it's finished. Jesus said that in Luke nineteen ten or John nineteen ten, All right? Here's something else. <clears throat> Just a little teaser for next week. I got to let y'all out. I kept y'all too late. Let's. They got another class coming here. Back to Ephesians. Uh, Not only is there a spatial dimension, there's a posture dimension in the book of Ephesians. Posture. We have heard this. In chapter two, we're seated in Christ. It's complete, it's finished. There's no more sacrifices ever again. It's done. We're seated. So in chapter 4, we can walk. Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, chapter 4, I entreat you to walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called. What's that? You've been called to a life of completion. Rest in Jesus so now you walk that out. And then you're able, in chapter 6, to stand against the powers and principalities of the heavenly places. See, we start the Christian life by sitting, not by doing. Not by trying, not by promising, but by sitting down with Jesus in his completed, finished work. Because if you can't sit, you won't have the strength to walk. And if you can't walk it out, you'll never be able to stand. Just watch that. Go through Ephesians chapter 2. 2, sit. 4, walk. 6, stand a posture of the Christian life. To me, it's fascinating in that regard. Boy, I want to go on here, but I can't. I got got some good stuff here. Let, Let me just say it this way too. For many of us, our Christian life either started or continued. I'm just telling you about me. I'm talking about you. Our Christian life began or started, and it has had this feature of restlessness or restless or wondering, is there something more to do? Is there, is there something else to do? There must be. Now, some of us, it's just, you know, uh, there are different learning styles and there's a certain kind of learning style that doesn't really learn unless They do something. So I got a couple of things in my house. If you'd like to learn about carpentry, you can come over to my house. Okay. I'm, I'm, I really, I want you to learn. I mean there really is. Now my wife's like this. Huh? There are people that they don't really learn unless they start doing something. That kind of restlessness is just that's kind of their learning style. I'm talking about the kind of restlessness that thinks I got to still do something. There's something I got to do. I got to confess better. I got to I got to promise better. I got to I got to I got to do something cuz there's something missing here. Couldn't be complete, couldn't be done. Something else I got to do. And you're restless. And there's a sense in it, it's not complete. Man, I got a couple of quotes. You need to hear these next week. Okay. Here, here's an image I'll, I'll, I'll give to you. I don't watch this because I don't care. American Idol. <clears throat> you know, it's got a word in there I don't even like. Island. but you'll, you'll notice how I mean it's a lot of pressure, you know if you ever watch it you know. I've accidentally watched it a couple of times yes. <laughs> The one guy that did uh, Dave fat can help me out with this i'm your vehicle baby. Uh, remember that song, Dave, uh, by uh, yeah, I watched that guy. love that old rock and roll song when they're competing. They are, like my dad would say, Nervouser, that's an East Texas word, Nervouser than a cat with a long tail and a room full of rocking chairs. <clears throat> Just let that work on you a little bit. <clears throat> that's a good image. Like a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs. That's nervous. <clears throat> and you know, <clears throat> you'll watch them. And they're stressed. And they're, right? they're anxious. They're anxious. I mean, they got one shot. They get the, <clears throat> they're gone. Think about your life like this, that if you're restless and you think there's always something else to do, that when you live your Christian life, you're living like one of those American, you're trying out. Now watch them after they win and the freedom and the abandon that they sing with. The the absolute abandonment that they sing with. You know why? I've already won. Nothing to prove. Nothing to do. Nothing to win. See, when we can get this straight, we can live with abandonment. And the Bible tells us here, you are, not you will be, you are seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. Take your seat, Cliff. Cliff. There's nothing else to do except live in faith and abandonment that he finished it. That's it. I mean, you ought to read the book. I've thought about teaching through the book of Hebrews in here. But if there's a book in the New Testament that says it's done, it's finished. Watch this. There's nothing left to do. It's completed. And so we're seated in heavenly places. This means completion, rest. And I just want to say to you again, I'll probably come back and talk about this like it's brand new next week because I got classes. (laughs) But remember, remember, we forget these. We're restless. We can't live with abandon because we think there's something else still for us to do to kind of make this all complete. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Not a list. Not more things to get neurotic over. Not more things to wonder that God wants that He won't tell you about, so you got to figure it out. If our understanding of living in Jesus it's not him in my life. It's me in his life. There's rest. So want you do, don't hit anybody with this, okay? Don't hit anybody. I mean, unless you want. One. <clears throat> Why don't you do this? Put your arms out. <clears throat> okay. Remember that picture I showed you? If you do, if you can't do it, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna go in that back row and throw some people out of class here. <laughs> Wayne, Wayne, Wayne. No. <laughs> No, if you can't—I mean, if you can't physically—understand <clears> that. Okay, <can't>, listen. <clears throat> I want you to go through this week, realizing there's somebody above you. He's got you. You're in His life, not your puny little life. You're in His, and you can be seated with Him in heavenly places this week, if you'll just know it's. So live flying this week. We'll see you next week.